Hey guys, and thank you for joining us. This is IED Sports. Today we're talking about the AFC South. We're going to do a quick recap of what happened in 2019, the changes that were made on each team, and we're going to look ahead to 2020. Thank you for joining us. This is IED Sports. Okay, Steve, thank you for joining us. AFC South, what an interesting division. We have a lot to talk about today. I know. It, 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 this, it, this is overall one of the more interesting divisions in the NFL. Absolutely, and there were quite a few changes to mix it up even more looking ahead next year. Let's get started. The Houston Texans. They went 10-6 and six while netting negative 7 points on the season. They scored 378 and give, gave up 385. They did have a perfect 5-3-5-3 home road split. Let's take a look at their offensive contributors. Deshaun Watson had 495 completions for 3,852 yards, 26 touchdowns, and only 12 interceptions. He also had 82 rushes for 413 yards and 7 rushing touchdowns. Carlos Hyde led the ground attack with 245 rushes for 1,070 yards and 6 touchdowns. Doogie Johnson, the main pass-catching back here, added 83 rushes for 410 and 2 touchdowns, but he caught 44 balls for 410 and another 3 touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins was the lead receiver, uh, 104 receptions for 1,165 yards and seven touchdowns receiving. You had the tandem of Will Fuller and Kenny Stills. Will Fuller with 49 grabs for 670 and three. Kenny Stills, 40 grabs for 561 and four receiving touchdowns. Now that's all said and good, but this is a new team heading into 2020. Some of the biggest changes in the NFL. The first one, they traded DeAndre Hopkins and brought in David Johnson in a trade with Arizona. They also signed Brandon Cooks to kind of fill that lead wide receiver gap, and they brought in Randall Cobb, assumedly to take care of some of the slot duties for this team. They did not have a first-round pick in 2020, and when I look at this roster, I'm not projecting any starters that they picked up via the 2020 NFL draft. This team, to me, is a damn mess heading into 2020. I don't know who thought it was a good idea sending DeAndre Hopkins he was Watson's first, second, and third look. Just a, a baffling decision. David Johnson, I think he will have a chance to come back up as a running back one, maybe even a kind of a bell cow, one of the top in the league, but it's only a chance. It's only a chance. Yeah. And you know, and you know that Bill O'Brien's just going to run David Johnson into the tra- into the ground just to make that trade look good. I don't care. That's fine. If he does that, <laughs> okay, it's good for fantasy. I, I don't care about, I mean, not that I don't care about David Johnson, the person. David Johnson, the person, is not batting my, my wallet, the fantasy asset is. So if that's uh, the way we go, that's the way we go, and I'm okay with it. I just want to know now. Yeah, I hear you. But, you know, the thing is, is that I ate a lot of crow last year for the Texans saying that they would be a mess and how bad I roasted them. I thought they were just not going to make the playoffs at all, and then they go ahead and they win the whole damn division. I mean, in in fairness, they had negative seven net points. Their point (laughs) differential was a touchdown down, yet they were 10-6. and This could have been an 8-8 and or a 7-9 and team pretty easily, And, and I don't even need to look up the stats. I will tell you right now, they're the only division leader that had a negative point differential. I don't even need to look at the numbers. I know that to be true. Well, um, 
Wasn't there that team, the set, um, that team that won the division a few years back, the '79, the '79 Seahawks? Remember when they won the division? They must have had a big negative point differential. So it happened, but um, not last year. They, but we'll continue. <laughs> well, it, here's the thing: when healthy, they have a robust cast of weapons. The caveat being, when healthy, Will Fuller never played a full season. Brandon Cooks. Has not been right since the Super Bowl concussion. Randall Cobb and David Johnson have not been right in the last two years. So Bill O'Brien is taking a lot of risk with players who have a lot of boom, but also have a lot of potential to bust. Absolutely. Now, when I look at these players, I want to look at where they're going in drafts. And the ESPN cheat sheet that just came out for half point PPR had Cooks at wide receiver 39. That's a wide receiver four. I think there he's worth it. I think if, if you took, and I start my draft sometimes, a little boring, a little safe. If you're looking at fourth or fifth round for a guy who really has a chance of knocking it out of the park, Brandon Cooks, I, if he is healthy, I know it's an if, he's not going to be wide receiver 39. He's going to be higher. That's he's outside my realm high. of possibilities. So Cooks, there could be value. Everyone else I think is worthless. Will Fuller, maybe in a best ball because he's going to go out and get 300 yards and four touchdowns in a game. I don't know what game that's going to yeah. be. And if I start him... And it's not that game. He's going to hang some goose eggs. Kiki Kute, uh, fantasy darling, I think that time is over. I'm looking at Cook, Stills, and Cobb as the three guys here. Um, I would go Fuller, Cooks, and Cobb as the three starters because Will Fuller, he's a, you know, he's there. He was supposed to, he was drafted to be their big time receiver to go along with DeAndre Hopkins. But he's always injured. He was also drafted to play football. So, <laughs> I mean, to me, the only thing I could think of for Bill O'Brien is maybe he wanted to spread out the ball more. This offense was very predictable in 2019. They will be anything but predictable in 2020. I'm not sure sending DeAndre Hopkins away is an appropriate way to achieve that goal of being less predictable. But it certainly has that side effect here in Houston. And, and what frustrates me the most about this team is that Bill O'Brien is really trying to be the next Bill Belichick, and he's just not that guy. I mean, yes, he's made some moves that other people probably wouldn't do, and, you know, okay, but lo you look at parts of, the, of this team, and there's no depth, especially quarterback. If Deshaun Watson goes down, this team is just done. You know, the team is held together by the thinnest of margins, and honestly, fantasy-wise, the only player I want is Watson himself. And, you know, aside aside from Laramie Tunsil, the rest of this offensive line is a question mark, so he's really going to be doing a lot of running and throwing for his life, in my opinion. Next team up is the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans went 9-7 and seven and got a wild-card playoff spot in 2019 before an impressive playoff run. They had a plus 71 point differential. They went 4-4 at home and 5-3 and on the road while running the ball 48.8% of the time, the third most in the league. Let's take a look at how their offense broke down. Ryan Tannehill, 286 passes for 2,742 yards, 22 touchdowns and 6 interceptions. Also added 43 rushes for 185 and 4 rushing touchdowns. The monster Derrick Henry, kind of the focal point of this offense, especially in the playoffs, 303 rushes for 1,540 yards and 16 rushing touchdowns. Also caught the ball 18 times for 206 and two receiving touchdowns. 
Deion Lewis had 54 rushes for 209. He also had 25 receptions for 164 and one touchdown on the year. A.J. Brown, 52 catches, 1,051 yards, and eight touchdowns. Corey Davis, 43 grabs, 601 and two. And lastly, Adam Humphreys, 37 grabs for 374 and two receiving touchdowns. Those were the main guys. Take a look at the changes. Texans made a couple cuts this offseason to guys you might know. Delaney Walker, Deion Lewis, Ryan Suckup, and Cameron Wake. Had to clear some salary and re-signed Kenny Hill for four years, $118 million. Lands him ninth in annual salary for the quarterback position. They also franchise tagged Derrick Henry, but lost lineman Jack Conklin, who brought his talents down to Cleveland. Let's take a look at this Tennessee Titans team, Steve. Uh, I, I see the Titans as the team to win the division. You know, Tannehill has two reliable options receiving-wise in A.J. Brown and Johnny Smith. Um, Corey Davis will still get a chance to show teams what type of receiver he can be. Um, for teams, as this is the last year of his rookie deal, the Titans declined his fifth-year option. He has flashed, but this is the year to show substance, consistency, and success to for him to really try to make a mark in the league this year. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to disagree, and, and this team makes me hesitate for a couple of reasons. First, I think there has to be a regression for Tannehill. There's nothing in his career that would state he's a franchise-type quarterback, and now he's getting franchise-type money. That's going to hamstring this team for years to come. Anytime running back gets 320 plus touches, I want to pump the brakes. I can't trust it. I, I like the player. I like the talent. He doesn't have much tread on the tires for the amount of time he's been in the league because, you know, he wasn't used the whole beginning of his career. Hmm. It's just 320. I see that number. Is that going to happen again? Is it? Can oh, you replicate that? It, you can't replicate that. So I don't know. Now, it's, it's worth stating Tannehill was better than all the Miami teams that he played for. But he's 31 now. He's going to start. People are thinking he's coming into his prime. He's going to start regressing anyway just because of age. 31 years old. He's been through a lot. His completion percentage was up 7% in 2019. His interception total was down 50% on what you would expect over his career per 16s. His quarterback quarterback rating went up nearly 27 points. And I have to be looking at him to take a step back next year. Well, I mean, it's reasonable to it's reasonable to think that, but I just it, he, he he's getting a full off season in this season in this system. He's with players that helped him feel comfortable. A lot of the a lot of the starting talent is coming back. You know, they're it, and they're they're finally going to be going with a full season with an athletic tight end in Johnny Smith, not the aging Delaney Walker. You know, A.J. Brown, he really came on at the end of the season. So I I see, I, I want to do a wait and see because they obviously paid him the money because they feel that he can he can lead this team to the to the Super Bowl. They, I mean, they also let Mariota walk and they brought in Logan Woodside, who is not worried about taking that position. So he's the quarterback, win or lose. Yeah, and... I, I just like I just really like you know how the Titans are built offensively and defensively, um, but you know while the Texans are still the odds-on favorite to win the division, the I think the Titans from top to bottom are the more balanced and better team. 
Well, they are balancing the fact that they run the ball 50% of the time, so I will agree with you there. Um, <laughs> to conclude with the Titans here, I want to bring up a sleeper-type pick. Now, don't let my hesitation say that say in your head that I don't like Derrick Henry. I love Derrick Henry. I love watching him play. I just have a doubt of how many seasons of 300 carries you can have. Historically, 300 is the number. After you pass that, there's injury problems, complications that come up in the near future. I want to take a look at Darrington Evans from Appalachian State who went in the third round. This guy is explosive and could be a nice change of pace back when Henry needs a breath. I kind of see him almost being like a, a better Chris Thompson in Washington. Kind of that he's not taking away the, the workload, but he's a weapon who can be on the field. And if something were to happen to Derrick Henry, Darrington Evans is the sky is the limit. We're talking top 12 in the league if something were to happen if you're in a dynasty get him get him everywhere you can well, and i mean if in, you in have derrick henry so the dynasty talk i did say um that darrington evans was it was a handcuff you know i had him i had him in as one of the backs you should draft absolutely you need to handcuff your running backs anyway but if you're taking such a high pick on derrick henry it's not only that you love the player it's that you like the system you like the situation and Darrington Evans is someone who needs to be on your squad if you are one of those owners. Don't Absolutely. let someone else take them from you. Hey, moving on, the Indianapolis Colts. They went 7-9 in 2019 after the surprise retirement of franchise quarterback Andrew Luck. They had a negative 12-point differential and a horrible 2-6 and six road record. Let's take a look at some of the players on this offense. Jacoby Brissett had 272 passes for 2,942 yards, 18 touchdowns, and 6 interceptions. He also added 56 rushes for 228 and four rushing touchdowns. Marlon Mack had 247 rushes for 1,091 yards, eight touchdowns rushing. He also had 14 catches for 82 yards. Naeem Hines had 52 rushes for 199 and two touchdowns. Also, 44 grabs for 320 receiving yards. T.Y. Hilton, an injury-plagued year, had 45 catches for 501 and five touchdowns. Jack Doyle... The always trustworthy 43 grabs, 448, and four touchdowns. And Zach Pascal, 41 catches for 607 and five touchdowns. That was 2019. Now let's look at 2020. Lots of changes in Indy this offseason. First, they, find they signed Phillip Rivers from the Chargers on a one-year $25 million contract. They drafted Michael Pittman Jr. in the second round to possibly become the starting wide receiver. And they grabbed running back Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Trey Burton joins Jack Doyle at tight end. And on defense, they brought in tackle DeForest Buckner from San Francisco. Steve, the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> the, the Colts are a dark horse AFC team for me. Um, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard have been working hard to build a contending roster. And now, at least for this year, they have a durable quarterback who can get the ball down the field in rivers. I mean, yes, yes, he is obviously lost a touch on the ball, but he's going with a very smart offensive mind. I think that Frank Reich is one of the better head coaches in the NFL. And Phillip Rivers is a fighter, and he's with the right coach, and, um, and he can make this work, and I think that this team is going to be a playoff team. Now, Phillip Rivers threw 23 touchdowns and 20 interceptions last season, 4,600 yards. I know the narrative is that it's a huge upgrade in the position, but that's only two more touchdowns. There was an uptick, 1,500 yards passing. I know, but he's going to be 39 years old. Phillip Rivers' cliff could already be 
past. We could be on the on the downturn of his career. In fact, I mean, we are. Yeah, we definitely are. He had better weapons with the Chargers than he's going to have for the Colts. I wouldn't be surprised to see Rivers put up a line similar to what Brissett put up in 2019. As for those weapons, I think T.Y. Hilton can come back and get 1,000 yards this year. He had injuries, but he's still the guy there. Uh, Pittman and Paris Campbell, I think there's going to be some risk. I don't know who to take. I like them both, but I know there's not enough volume for them both to pan out on where they're being drafted. I don't know which one's going to be valuable, and I don't know what to think with Rivers. I don't know what to think with this team, and I'm going to be avoiding them until I get more information, Steve. <laughs> well, I, I love Michael Pittman Jr. as the possible new number one wide receiver. I really like T.Y. this year. Um, I see Paris Campbell having a huge rebound. I really like Jonathan Taylor. Um, he was my number three dynasty running back on dynasty talk. Um, because I think that he has the easiest path to overtake Marlon Mack because Marlon Mack, you know, he's a, he's an aggressive runner, but Marlon Mack is always injured, you know, and that, and, you know, I, I like a lot about this offense and that's not even including the tight ends, which for my money, I'm definitely going with Jack Doyle. I, you know, some I, I, I heard somebody saying that Trey Burton is going to have some type of Eric Ebron resurgence with the Colts. And I'm like, give me a break now. Jack Doyle. It's, it's Jack Doyle. Um, and even if even if Jack Doyle goes down, I would take Mo Ali Cox over um, over Trey Burton right now. Right. As for uh, the tight end situation here, I, I want to see how many twelve personnel sets the Colts run in twenty twenty. We think of them as using multiple tight ends often, and they do. The number was twenty seven percent in twenty nineteen. That's not as high as Minnesota, Kansas City, or even Philly. Philly they run two tight ends fifty two percent of the time. This leaves. The window for Jack Doyle, Trey Burton, Mo Alley-Cox, but I think there has to be one guy. There's not going to be value in all three. For me, it's going to be Jack Doyle. He just, he catches balls. They just, they're, they're magnetically attached to his hands. <laughs> He's reliable. The rest are blockers. And I think that sets up nicely for, for the running game. There is one set I want to kind of throw out there. I said Marlon Mack had 14 grabs for 82 yards. Naeem Hines had 44 catches for 320. You know what's missing? Receiving what's touchdowns. Receiving touchdowns out of the backfield. You're not going to do it on 400 yards. Something has to happen here. Marlon Mack, I do like, especially early in the season. I would not be surprised if Jonathan Taylor took the lead job by the end of the year. And this is going to be a valuable lead job to have behind one of the best offensive lines in football that runs formations that are good for runners. Next up is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They went 6-10 and in 2019 with negative 97 net points. They went up. They went 2-4 and four in their division and played 12 games with a backup quarterback. Here's how their offense lined up. Gardner Minshew had 285 completions for 3,271 yards, 21 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Leonard Fournette, 265 carries, 1,152 yards, and three rushing touchdowns. He also had 76 catches for 522. DJ Shark, fantasy darling of 2019, 76 grabs, 1,008 yards, eight receiving touchdowns. We had D.D. Westbrook, 66 grabs for 660 yards and three touchdowns receiving. And Chris Conley, 47 grabs, 775 and five. Minshew, now full-time at the helm as Nick Foles is headed to the Chicago Bears. They brought in Jay Gruden as offensive coordinator, replacing John Filippo. Their star edge rusher Yannick Ngakwe's contract situation is unresolved, but their defense did get better 
with or without him by bringing in two high draft picks, cornerback C.J. Henderson and linebacker Clavon Chason. I'm sorry if I'm saying that incorrectly. This is a team I can't see myself owning very much of in 2020, but I do see their play possibly improving on the field. Leonard Fournette is a beast, but three rushing touchdowns has got to go up to make him more valuable. He was running back six weeks one through eight and running back 19 weeks nine through 17 in the second half of last year. ESPN is yelling, is telling you to take him at running back 13, pick 21 overall. For me, that's too rich for my blood. I can see myself zigging where everyone else zags here. If he falls to second round, second, third, fourth pick, maybe I would be intrigued there, but not where he's going right now. Steve, the Jaguars. I, I'm, I'm just going to keep it short on my analysis of the Jaguars. They're in rebuild mode. They know it. Uh, the only player I'm really going to take any stock in is DJ Shark. I really liked Chris Conley last year, um, and I think that I think that Chris Conley could be a a high end flex given the given the right matchup. But I don't think this team is going to be much of a contender. Absolutely, wide receiver is kind of a crapshoot. DJ Shark is obviously the breakout player from 2019. Now he's wide receiver 25 in drafts in that Jarvis Landry, Debo Samuel draft zone. Those are two players I just like better in season long. And and I can't see myself having much DJ Shark. Once the new car smell wore off, you're left with a draft pick you took too high. No, I mean, he was good. I mean, I really, you know, Shark Next year, are you drafting him ahead of Jarvis Landry, Debo Samuel? Um, I draft him... I'd draft him ahead of Landry, but I'd take Debo over Shark. Yeah, I would take them both easily. No contest. So Mm -hmm. you're going to have to pay the price. You're going to have to pay the price if you want to see how this ends up next year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Steve, before we go, do you have any final thoughts on the AFC South? I mean, (laughs) it's going to be interesting to watch this division. Um you know, I keep on I keep on saying, well, this is going to be the I, I keep on telling myself this is going to be the weakest division. But you look at some of the moves that, especially the um, Titans and Colts made. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting. Absolutely, a lot of things we don't really know what to think yet, and and that's okay. It's still very early in the off season. We want to know what you guys think about the AFC South. Drop a comment below. Let us know what you think, guys. Thank you for watching ID Sports.